Everyone in content knows the feeling of being less than happy with a piece of content that they've just made. But that feeling, unfortunately, doesn't always stop there. You might even feel it at a critical career juncture. Enter Perfectly Content, the podcast. I'm your host, Adri Smith, content strategist at Folian. Every episode, we'll be joined by a guest to explore a real-life scenario where they tackle a content challenge and that nagging feeling of less than perfection. We'll hear about impactful content, stronger strategies, and more inspiring brands so that we can all become a little more perfect and more content. Today, I'm joined by Jack Davies from Qualtrics. And I'm really excited to have them on board today. And for those of you who don't know Qualtrics already, they're in a really exciting space, which I actually hadn't heard of before, called experience management. So we're going to be talking a lot about this new category, so I don't really want to get into it. But actually, after first speaking to Jack, he said something that is quite interesting. So I'm really glad to have him on the show because he said content actually can't do everything in B2B marketing. And I don't know, I think to some extent, I would always disagree with that. But I'd definitely love to debate it, of course. And in the end, just a big warm welcome to Jack and excited to have you here. It's really good to be here. Just to get us started a little bit, would you be able to tell us a bit about what you do at Qualtrics? So I am the head of global content at Qualtrics. I lead a a content team of four and a small army of freelancers. And we look after all the demand gen and SEO content for the company working with our teams in APJ, North America, and EMEA. So I'm curious, and it's a question that I very often ask here, but how did you actually get into content to begin with? Wow. How long we got? So it's an interesting journey from studying to be a genetic scientist all the way through to content marketing via a career in agricultural journalism. I graduated my undergrad was in applied biology, but I always loved writing and I didn't really see a career for myself in, in the sciences as much as I found it interesting. I always do things I find interesting and I find science interesting, but I didn't see it as a career. And so I, I did a postgrad in journalism. And as I was coming into journalism, I started working at a newspaper called The Farmer's Guardian, which is, as it suggests, it's a newspaper read by farmers. And... Online journalism was just kicking off and they were quite early into that. And they were quite heavily, they were part of a publishing group that was quite heavily invested in digital and driving forward digital in publishing. And as a new journalist, I got very involved in the digital side of it. So got very into digital content from a journalism perspective. And then after a while, I moved out into the agency world. So I got started at an agency called Sticky Content, which is ancient in terms of digital agencies. It was founded in 1997. It was right there at the very start of the whole internet bubble. And they were one of the few agencies that actually defined content strategy. It really grew doing that. And then from there, I moved to Saatchi and Saatchi, still in the content space, but brought in more of a, a wider look at advertising and brand and content and how it all fits together. And that was a great experience. And then I moved in-house to Quadrics, where, where I am now. So it, it's been a journey. So I'm really also interested to know, because I've met quite a few people recently who come from an agency background as well, just like you, what does it actually bring to your role currently? What does that experience add? I think what an agency background gives you is 
addressing specific business challenges with content, whether that's advertising or SEO, et cetera, because a client is coming to the agency with a, with a challenge to solve, right? I, I, we have this new product that we need to set the whole, we have a brand awareness problem that we need to solve. And so you're using content to solve specific business challenges, as opposed to the journalism world where it was, I'm producing content to drive clicks and views and entertain people. It became much more about the business challenge and you end up working with a much broader range of people. Like I didn't know what a brand planner was before that. And now I think it's the most valuable role in, in an agency. When you're working closely with designers and you're working on video and with video producers and with a lot of talented people. And I think it just gives you that broader picture of where content fits in. Because before that, everything I did was probably in the written word. So to me, the written word was everything. Everything was about the written word. But that brought in all these other areas, from social, video, et cetera. Yeah, so multimedia campaigns are definitely a really big theme so far on insert content here. We're talking about it all the time because it's become such a necessary component of every content marketing campaign. So it's unsurprising that you got that role. You've got really solid experience in an agency setting. Yeah. It's a shame to say that someone, I love writing. I am like originally a writer and I love writing, uh, but people don't read a ton now, especially in, in, in our world at the very top of the funnel. They're not going to go and read like 900 words on something they've never heard of, but you're trying to entertain and educate at the same time. And written word is not always the way to do that. I think there's so many other mediums, so many other ways people consume content that you have to take all angles of attack, as it were. All right. So it seems like your background really sets us up very well to talk about category creation. So I mentioned it at the very beginning, experience management, at least to me, I had not heard of it before. It's something that I'm definitely starting to know more and more about, not just because of contact with you, but it is an up and coming space. So what is category creation and why is it hard? I know we already spoke about this, but I'd love to hear a little bit more about this particular challenge that you went through. I'd say challenge, but it's just been a lot of fun at Qualtrics over the last three, five, five years or so has been creating the category of experience management. So Qualtrics has evolved from a company that initially sold research software to academics into a company that did customer experience software and employee experience software and research software into this new category of experience management, which is essentially all the experiences that people have, whether it is as an employee or as a customer, they're all interconnected. You know, the way you experience a company as a customer, you experience something like customer service impacts your view of a brand. So there's all these experiences people have in their day-to-day lives that impact the success of a company. And I think Qualtrics was really the first company to say, that's all connected. That's one piece of software across the organization. So we came up with this category of experience management in 2017. And the challenge for content has been, how do we tell our story? How do we create demand for a category that wasn't there before? How do you create demand for something people didn't know they needed? So typically, obviously, you would have gone in on things like, you know, what are people looking for? What are they searching from? We'll create SEO content around that. But no one's searching for something they didn't know existed. And so that's mm-hmm. the challenge around category creation that we've had. And it's, it's also something that you don't get to do very much in your career. There's very few people who get to work in a marketing team creating a category or building a category in it's incredibly exciting and it's challenging, but it's, it's fun at the same time. And part of the way that we've done that is to 
blend, it's almost blending the two. So if you work in customer service, for example, you still want customer service software. You still want the software to be able to listen to your customers and raise a ticket in order to follow up with them. So there's still that search demand in SEO, or there's still that audience out there who wants content on how to improve customer service and things like that. So our, the way we approach it is we're still creating that kind of content, but we're linking it and telling stories about how that then links to the rest of the organization. What's the employee side of that? Like how does a company provide an experience for its employees that allows them to provide that kind of customer service when you get in touch with the company? What's the process for taking all that data that you get from customers when they're phoning up and using it to draw out brand insights and taking action in your marketing team to improve the down and that kind of thing? So it's where you once started with this kind of single point of need. Mm-hmm. We're creating content that's saying, yeah, here's what you need and how you need to do it. And here's all the advice that we've got. But it starts to branch out into these different areas. So you start to create sort of content pathways that take people through into places where they probably didn't know they needed to look. And it's a long process. No one overnight is suddenly going to go, ah, practice. That's exactly what we've been doing all along. But... By using the stories that we use and by telling stories, I think we've been able to show people and build that capital by showing people how it all comes together. All right. So this may seem like a bit of a basic question, but how do you know if you've actually successfully created a new category? How do you know when you've been successful? I think once it starts being recognized by others, we start to see companies talking about experience management as a thing that they're doing. And I think that's when you've been successful at creating the category. And the challenge then is growing it, right? So you can create it and you can convince 13,000 companies or however many that it's a thing that they need. But how do you expand that? How do you grow that? How do you make it something that every business knows that it needs or relies on? Creating the category is the starting point. And at some point, you have to then grow it and expand it and mature it. All right. So it's definitely a multi-step process. Yeah. I'd, yeah. I'd say it's never finished. I think if even if you spoke to some of the most mature categories in the world, they say then, they'd say they're not finished because you're always keeping up with what's changing in the world. How does experience management fit into that? How does it support companies in this new world? And every company in the world is answering those questions. And so the category constantly evolves. And I think that's why it's exciting because it constantly evolves and you're reacting to things and applying it in new ways. All right. So this seems like it's definitely bigger than a project. It's really a company-wide initiative that needs to actually happen in order to create a category. So can you explain to us, or at least give us some of the context around how this actually dropped onto your plate? What's the role of content here? Once the company leadership has set that direction that this is a category and we're launching actually, and there's a lot of work done from our strategy product leadership, marketing leadership, et cetera, to go and define that category and what it was. And I think at that point, the whole organization has to get behind that. Otherwise, they could send a briefing to the content team to go write stuff about this experience management category, and it would never fly without sales teams who can go and talk to customers about how it applies to them and engineering teams that can build a product that supports what you're saying and what, and what you're trying to sell into the market. And I think that is the big challenge is mm-hmm. it's the whole company. It's a company-wide thing. That once Quartrix made that move into that, it's not content, it plays a, a supporting role. Definitely not the be all and end all. It plays a very tiny role in a much, much bigger picture. So just looking at content, I know you said it's small, but at least in my opinion, it's small but mighty. 
How did that look for you when you were actually getting started with a strategy for creating a new category from a content perspective? What does that look like for you? It's a lot of trial and error, if I'm honest. I don't think there's a playbook because every category is different. And we have our targets that we, we know content needs to drive engagement. It needs to, we're in B2B, so it needs to drive sort of key metrics like pipeline and things like that. So we need, we needed to keep, we need to keep doing that. And so you're still going after point of need content. You still need to be winning in SEO for those key things that people are looking for, which are definitely not the category at the, in the early stages. And so the old engines running and kept doing those things that have always been working. But then we started to layer on things like a bit more storytelling. And we tell the stories of brands in our content that are living experience management and that they're doing it. Because I think sometimes if you show people what lies behind successful companies or well-known things that they see and you start to explain how that works, how it's all put together in, in the back end, I think people understand it more and what it is rather than if we're just banging the drum and shouting from every possible angle, hey, you need experience management, you need experience management without showing people what it is. So storytelling has been a huge trend for a really long time. And when we first spoke about this, this element in particular, I was really triggered because what you call storytelling, I really think as thought leadership. What's the difference here? Do you see the difference between a story that your team is telling versus traditional thought leadership? Yeah, I think there is a difference and there's a crossover and a difference. So I, I think storytelling is putting thought leadership into practice and into terms that people understand. There are very few people who can do thought leadership on things that people don't know about. It's very hard to come out as an expert and say, hey, the way you've been thinking about everything is all wrong. You need to rethink it and do things this way. Whereas if you can show someone, I don't know, here's this brand and this thing that they did that you know about that you loved and you thought was really cool, here's how they got to that. People understand it more and it's a different way in. It's less theoretical, less academic and, and much more practical. And I think people connect with that lots more because it reflects the things they do in their, in their day-to-day lives. Like buy a pair of trainers from this company. And so I know I've interacted with them in, in my life or I subscribe to Netflix. So I know what the Netflix experience is like. So when you show me what lies behind that experience, that excites me and I get excited about it and I can see how I, that might apply to my company. Whereas I think thought leadership is, is, feels more academic to me. I think that's where I would draw the line. It's going from mm-hmm. that kind of academic side of content to the more entertainment side. And there's a crossover, right? You can't have pure entertainment. As a B2B company, we are not in the world to entertain people. But at the same time, we're not a company that is there to produce academic writing. We're, we're somewhere in the middle. And I think you need a little bit of both. And if you can blend them, it's better. So looking at it from a practical perspective, I know you already touched on some of the elements of keeping the old content machine running. I guess that was your term for it. But you also have to start investing in your new category from a content perspective. So I'm curious to know how you actually make that division. So what's the balance here? It's changed over time. So initially, there was less storytelling than there was point of need content that we were producing. But over time, as a content team, you end up having produced content for most of the search volume out there. It's, you don't overnight wake up and go, oh, wow, people are suddenly searching for this whole new thing that no one's ever searched for before. So 
say, for example, customer service improvements might be a, a key search term. We'll have created content for that. So over time, as you're winning all of those keywords and you're creating content for those keywords, when there's already demand, that can tail off a little bit. And then the storytelling can come in. And of course, you can never let it go. Like SEO right. is so hugely valuable to us. And there's, there are always new things to react to, or we're constantly refreshing content with new points of view or applying new best practices. But you're not going after white space anymore. You're optimizing what's already there, which frees you up to go and do a bit more storytelling stuff. And at some point you merge the two. So you, they meet somewhere in the middle. Someone comes in because they had a search query around employee engagement or something like that. And when you're creating a piece of content to tell them about employee engagement, you're then starting to introduce these stories, whether it's some of the mm-hmm. you know videos that our video team does with our customers or whether it's using that content to drive them to an event where you talk more about employee experience at the wider XM category. They start to merge eventually, which is great because then you're doing a, a, a little bit of both and you don't feel like you're in that old world anymore where it's like, hey, here's the old machine, here's the new machine, it's just the machine. Yeah, I guess it all has to just come together. And I guess since it is a company-wide initiative, it's bound to happen. All right, so category creation, I think you already said that it's a continuous process. Where are you now in the process? Have you created it? Have you actually succeeded? We've succeeded in creating it. There's always going to be work to do there. I think it's probably beyond my knowledge to say quite how far we are in where the category is created, but we, we know as a company, there is a ton more to do. And I think we always say we're, we're just getting started and, and it's very true. There is so much more to go and do and we'll continue to have to tell the stories that we tell to go and do that. But yeah, I, I, I wouldn't like to say, oh, we're 20% there or 30% there. I think we created the category and then it's, it's our jobs to constantly grow that and sustain that and build it. Rather than ever really seeing an endpoint, there's probably never really an endpoint for the category. Mm. You just keep growing it and you just keep telling stories, creating content and evolving it over time. What our content will look like in five years' time will be drastically different from what it looks like today because the market will change. The way we consume content, the way we consume media will change. So the job is never done, which is quite good. If you're in the content industry, that is quite a nice place to be. Sure, but it also seems like you're seeing progress in what you're doing. And I think that's also really important for somebody who works in content, because at least that's what I really like about content is that you can actually see what you've built. You can see the results that keep coming in, sometimes slowly, but they still come in over time. And I actually think that's where, because I remember when content wasn't really a thing, it was, it was more entertainment. A lot of it was entertainment and people would be, oh, I love that website I just built or the thing I just wrote. And it's like, we never really had in the early days visibility into how it performed. I think it was only when, say when I was actually working at the agency of that sticky concept where one of our clients actually came back to us and like, do you guys know how much of an improvement we're seeing from that content? And they're like, no, we never really thought about it before. You, you write the checks, we produce you the content you asked us to produce. And from there, it became a thing where more and more clients were results oriented and that is now de facto right everything is about mm-hmm. the about the results and so it should be we should no no one should ever be creating content for no end it shouldn't just be there for the sake of being there it needs to have a purpose all right so just a little bit of reflection now if you had to start it all over again if you had to go back to the beginning and start this experience management category from scratch what would you change about what you did or would you put more effort into some things versus others 
yeah, it's a difficult one to reflect on when you're mid- midway in the journey to actually say, hey, we would do this differently or, or this differently because it's evolved so quickly and things have changed so quickly. I think there's a ton of stuff we know we've got to go do now that we've learned lessons that we will go do next. But I, I would never probably look at it as, and say, hey, that's what I would have changed. And I guess that's the value of having a project or initiative that you can actually constantly go back to and refine, constantly refine. Yeah, and that's the beauty of working content and digital particularly. I, I always say that when people are trying to perfect something before it goes live, it's the absolute point of perfection. You know what? If you come up with an optimization in three weeks' time, we'll just go in and we'll change it. We'll update it. It's, it's digital content. Things evolve. Things can be changed. Nothing is ever perfect. Whereas I think there's a lot of people who are still, and possibly because they have a worked in content, they live in that world of once you press submit, it's final. And that was scary when I worked because once you press submit, it was final and it got printed in the newspaper. Mm-hmm. And if there was a mistake, then you're in some trouble. Not so much now. I think now you can go back and, and, and change things and update things and improve them as you go. So it's a nice, I wouldn't say safety net, it's a nice position to be in because you can always improve what you're doing. And I think that really makes you check your ego at the door, right? It's not really about you. It's actually more about the results that piece of content is actually going to bring in, however you're judging it. Yeah. If you think about some of the best companies in the world are producing content. Right? If you think about all the content you interact with from different companies, very rarely would you know who created that content. You would know the company and that's fine. It's not, a, it's not an ego business. If, you, if it's all about the ego, go write a book, direct a film. That's where you can direct that energy. But I think in the space that we're in, content marketing, it's about the performance and it's not necessarily about the individuals. All right, we're on to our last question of today. And we've heard a lot about category creation, which I think is very helpful to quite a few people who are listening, who are thinking about moving into a new category and how that's going to look for them. And I'm sure they'll reach out to you for more specific advice. But this has been a really good intro. But my last question for you today, and I think it's always good for people to leave with, is a little bit of inspiration. So what piece of content or person, idea, thing really changed the way that you view content today? Probably the person that's had most influence in terms of where my career has gone and what I've done was my first manager in agencies, a guy called Dan Brotzel, who he set up Sticky Content as an agency that essentially wrote websites for people. In the early days of websites, they wrote websites for people. And they spotted the opportunity to go into content strategy and to become much more focused on how content improves business performance and things like that, how it's impacting the metrics. And he developed a web best practice. And people would come on, he did his web best practice courses, like two hours and writing for the web. And from first doing that, just seeing how different digital content and the way you interacted with digital content and consumed digital content was to everything else, even as a consumer of digital content. So I, I, it's not like I'd never seen digital content. I went in and it blew my mind. It's like, hey, I engage with digital content on a daily basis and I never thought about the tips and tricks that go into it. Simple things like breaking things into bulleted lists that draw the eye and things like that. And he, he was a master of that. And honestly, if you took him to a client meeting, you would almost always win the business because they, they were paying for his brain, basically. 
And to this day, you still see a lot of web writing best practice. He had been pushing since the early 2000s. So he had a big impact on my career because you started to understand the nuances of the way you present content and the way you use content in order to get a result out of the reader, which I'd never really thought about before. Everything was all about, hey, how do I create an emotional connection? How do I write the perfect drop intro that makes someone read the rest of this feature or write the perfect headline to make someone click through? He was a very analytical person around how content works and the way you construct content to, to drive behavior. Yeah, he'd probably be the most influential. And then from there, I think it's just all the individual projects you work on, the individual learnings you get from each one has a knock-on effect into the next one rather than any big kind of aha moments. Cool. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm really happy to have you today. And uh, yeah, look forward to catching up soon. Yeah, it's great to be on. It's great. Great chat. All right. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Perfectly Content. Thank you so much for listening. And if you like this episode and want to stay tuned for more, click subscribe wherever you're listening and you'll receive updates on our very next episode. And finally, one last thing, we have an editorial style newsletter that goes out once a week called The Crave. We talk about all of the content that we've been craving this week. And each week it's curated by a different content person from the Folian team. You can check it out at folian.com slash the dash crave. See you there.